0: It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host Taylor Fike. Welcome
1: to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me, I have our co-host Bradley Fike.
0: Yes, and today I'm Mister Vaxamillion.
1: You're Vaxamillion. I don't know if you have heard. Um, some of our listeners aren't even from Ohio, so they probably have no care in the world for what we're about to say, but. Well, you could win a million dollars, Brad.
0: Yes, I can. If Where you, do I sign up for this? Vax a million.
1: Vax a million. If you got your vaccine in Ohio, the governor just announced last week that um, there will be a lottery drawing. And you could win a uh, million dollars if you're at the age of 18 and you got your vaccine. So that's kind of their, their new push. Uh, masks are coming off in Ohio on June 2nd, as if they haven't already been coming off for the most part everywhere I seem to go. But it's official that there will be no more mask requirement in Ohio on June second, so they're making one final push to get everybody vaccinated before then and they're offering a million dollars to five lucky winners over the month of like
0: five drawings, isn't it? So one person each drawing wins the mill. Yeah. And if you're eighteen and over. 18
1: right. and over wins a mil. If you're under 18, age 12 to 18 or whatever, if you're a minor, you can win a full ride scholarship to college. Man, oh man, what a deal. I'm telling you, this is this is the way.
0: This K-Virus, man, it's kicking some booty. Everybody's getting free stuff. It's, it's awesome.
1: It's something, I tell you. So if you go to, if you're in Ohio, don't forget, they just changed the rules. It's not just a, if you're an Ohio voter. You have to sign up for the Vax a Million. It's called the Ohio Vax a Million Drawing you have to go to ohiovaxamillion.com. So don't forget to sign up if you want to win your million and retire
0: tomorrow. I'm so excited for this free stuff. I feel like I'm at a theme park. You're at a theme park.
1: You're just. <laughs> you're, this is a show. It's a game show now. This is a
0: theme park, and I'm winning every game that I play.
1: It started off as a deadly pandemic and has turned into a game show where we're all in a lottery.
0: Everybody's trying to win something free and get a stimulus check.
1: Well, I was reading, it's quite interesting, you know, the money comes from the, the federal COVID funding that the state got. I'm assuming they got it last year during the middle of the pandemic crisis. This must just be the leftover funds that they hadn't spent yet. And they're going, well, we're going to take the mask off. We're pretty much trying to ignore this thing even exists anymore. So let's give this money away to somebody.
0: Absolutely. You might as well spend it because, you know, as stated earlier, that uh, you don't uh, use it, then you lose it for next year's COVID budget.
1: That's how government and nonprofit, that's how that world works. If you don't use your budget, you just get a less budget next time.
0: And it's other people's money, so why do they care? That's right.
1: Well, anyway, we're not here to talk politics. OhioMaximilian.com.
0: We all- aren't endorsing that. We're just saying that it exists.
1: I wouldn't count on it. Here's the thing. If I'm if I'm a financial professional, I'm saying don't count on the Vax a million to be your retirement plan. That's just not going to work.
0: Oh, we're having the, our assistants calling all our clients today and saying, when you get that, give us a call.
1: Okay. <laughs> we we should send out a letter. If you win the Vax a million, give us a call first. That way we can help you manage it so you don't blow it all exactly. in one place. Exactly.
0: But anyway. All right. Let's get down to business, I guess. Enough fun and jokes, right? I guess. I don't
1: know. I mean, this is very casual podcast. We don't do a whole lot of business on here. No, we don't. We you're do the that. financial yoga. I mean, most of the time you're over there stretching in the corner.
0: Hey, I'm a little more flexible than I was at our last podcast. I had a little issues because I had gotten the second shot. Remember I said That's how right. stiff I was and that my uh, uh, flexibility uh, yoga flexibility wasn't doing well. But my financial flexibility has been in full 100% steam ahead. Loved it. To
1: see it, got a lot. That's just that's the way you want to hear it. Just full financial yogi flexibility.
0: Yep. So uh, <laughs> things are pretty much back to normal. The shot is wore off. I'm just going to wait till next year when my DNA starts short circuiting and then I become some kind of robot. Well, I was
1: joking the other day because you know everyone <laughs> thinks there's either a tracking chip or a 5G. You know, whatever. I've been getting great cell phone service since I got my second shot, <laughs> so I feel like I am now a walking 5G tower. I can call anybody anywhere
0: yeah and you know you could probably uh, stop paying verizon
1: yeah maybe you don't even need it i could get off the network because i'm my own network now huh maybe i can start charging people when i stand next Uh, to them for the data usage
0: yeah when they put those satellite fields up in the uh outside the earth's atmosphere yeah and you have 5g in you you don't need any third-party service perfect you're connected to the satellite now russian hackers have nothing on me now no they can't get in you It's probably some blockchain inside that chip too that t- can't get in without a code. Wait, I wondered: is the vaccine the new,
1: uh, the new cryptocurrency? Now we are all cryptocurrency, Whoa, whatever it is.
0: Bitcoin, eat your heart up.
1: That. That sounds like a conversation that is just way over our heads. That's yeah. some conspiracy theory stuff. I don't isn't. get it.
0: Well, what, whether, you, uh, whether you
1: have good feelings or bad feelings about the vaccine, either way, you could win a million dollars if you're vaccinated. If not, we're just having fun joking around in here. I know that some people get pretty fired up about this stuff, but I mean, the best you can do is make jokes and laugh because what else? I mean, there's... You can't do
0: anything about it. So That's just right. relax, quit watching the news. Enjoy your life.
1: Get a little humorous. Well, speaking about something you can't do anything about, have you heard the news lately? It's
0: all about inflation. Oh, yes. I think uh, every time the news comes on or any article you read, it goes right to inflation. Now, again, I haven't watched any news, but I do know that it is the topic of conversation with clients who are watching the news. Absolutely.
1: Well, I've had two conversations yesterday about clients and their retirement plans, both of them ended up getting to inflation because it's just, it is such a hot topic. So uh, we wanted to talk about that today because I think inflation, it's a huge part of retirement planning. So if you are thinking about retiring early or you've already retired and you're drawing income from your portfolio, inflation is a huge factor. And if you've done a plan with your financial advisor, it was probably a conversation of saying, hey, by the way, We're assuming inflation is X percentage for the next 15 to 20 years, but that could change. And if that changes, that changes the way that this plan works out. Because, I mean inflation is very similar. It's the opposite of what we try to do with a portfolio. It's the negative compound interest, right? It's going against you. It's like swimming upstream when it comes to inflation. So it is important to know. But I guess we should probably define what inflation is. You got a layman's definition while I pull up the actual definition?
0: Well, I might have some kind of a uh, comparison here that when there's high demand, then it goes back to the supply and demand can help create inflation. Let me give you an example. Now, this is kind of a funny example, maybe. But my example that I'm going to use is inflation around the waist, inflation around
1: the waist. Yeah, yes. because
0: as my body demands more food, I eat more food and then I my waist size grows and I've inflated, right? Yeah. So it's kind of similar to that, doesn't it? Does that make sense? And that even plays into money cuz as your waist inflates
1: more, you have to go buy new pants or exactly. a new belly.
0: So there's more demand which creates less supply and so that less means less supply I'm, of space around and, <laughs> and if I have if I own the pant company and there's people coming at my door to buy more pants, what am I going to do? I'm going to raise the price. exactly. And so that's what happens in real life. More demand creates a higher price because it shrinks the supply. Yes. So example, I'll use an example, boats. Yes. Okay. You can't even find a new boat. If you order a new boat, it's going to take you probably till, I think they're projecting into the beginning of 2022 now to get your boat. So the demand for boats is extremely high. We're talking new boats. Mm -hmm. So what do you think happens? The price of those boats are probably going to be higher because they can. If I'm the seller of the boats, I'm going to go, wow, we got a lot of people wanting boats. Let's jack it up 20 grand. We'll make another 20 grand. And then that just trickles everywhere. And this is not just the boat, but it's every little part and component that goes into that boat. That guy who's making the, the stainless steel screw for whatever goes, well, there's a huge demand for this. So I might as well raise that five cents. And then it just snowballs. And it, this is what happens with inflation.
1: It's really interesting. Uh, so I looked up the exact definition because I, I think the way you're describing it is exactly what it says. Inflation, in this case, what we're talking about in the economic side is a general increase in prices and a fall in the purchasing value of money. So essentially what it's saying is things are starting to cost more. So even, you know, you could buy it for a dollar a year ago, but this year it might be a dollar and 10 cents. And so it's that general increase in the prices of goods because, well, they're finding that demand for this type of product is high and supply might not be quite as high as the demand. And so what we're finding is, is that we can charge more because this seems to be more valuable to people. Than what we have a supply for, so we can charge more for it, and hopefully that would shed off some of the demand, but not so much that we lose profits out of that. And so it's that general increase, and it's something that's normal. Inflation is is not a bad thing; it's actually a healthy thing for an economy. If we look back over history, inflation has always been trickling in the upward direction. Now there's some time, periods of time of deflation in certain countries, depending on what's going on there. But the idea is is that we want the value of goods and services to go up. If you're a business owner. Where you work a job in a manufacturing plant or whatever it is, you want inflation to happen because when inflation happens for the cost of the goods that the business is selling, that's an increase in the profits or the revenues. And maybe that's an increase in your salary because people always want the raise at the end of the year. Well, you don't get a raise if the company doesn't make more money. And so if it can be a, the company makes more money by raising the price and people are still buying the product, that's a good thing. And so it's healthy for an economy to have it. The problem is, is if inflation is too low, it can be a problem or if inflation is way too high. And I mean, you lived in the 70s uh, and a lot of our listeners have lived through the 70s and what that looked like um, in the late 60s, early 70s, what inflation was when it was double digits. I
0: don't know if you have Most of any... that was the end of the 70s, early 80s, oh, okay. 78, 70s, 80s. Uh, about 83. Yeah, what was that I, like? When I started in this business, uh, interest rates uh, actually had pretty close to peaked of the inflation was around uh 12-13%, I think, at you know, roughly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could get a CD at the bank and it would pay 13-14%. People thought that was just awesome. Well, yeah, but the point was that stock market returns. The goods are going up as fast as that. So you yeah. really weren't gaining any ground, but people didn't see that. They just see the you know, the CD rate. But we've been talking about what inflation is, but to the consumer side, to a very simplified consumer side view of it is I'd like to explain it to clients is, okay, if a loaf of bread is $2 today and we have 3% inflation this year, next year, that loaf of bread is going to cost $2.06, right? Right. So that is where you feel the pain. A can of soup is a dollar today and you got... 4% Four percent inflation, that can of soup next year is a dollar and four cents. So your dollar does not buy that can of soup. Now I gotta pull out four pennies. Now that doesn't seem like much, but if everything that you're buying every day at that from that one year point to the next year point is up three percent or four percent, it does add up. So you as a consumer now all of a sudden my hundred dollars doesn't go near as far to buy stuff. Right, right? Well, I mean that's a consumer view of it, and it's a it's called the silent killer, right? Because yeah. you don't you don't really feel it; it's so painless. It happens at a
1: low enough rate that you don't notice it nearly as much as you think. Like you say a dollar turns into a dollar four. So you go, well, what's four cents? I got four pennies in my couch cushion that I could spend. But the problem is, is that that dollar four, maybe over the next five or 10 years, now becomes $2 or a buck 89 or whatever it is, depending on the inflation rates. Now, all of a sudden, before I know it, I'm batting my eyes and I'm paying twice as much for the same product that I was buying 10, 15 years ago. And when we look at retirement, this is where it really kills you. As you go, I'm expecting that I need $40,000, $50,000 $40,000, 50000 a year in income. Well, that's great. You need $40,000, 50000 in income today. But what happens when 20 years from now, you're age 70, 75, age 80, your 40 or 50,000 dollars now needs to be closer to 80 or 90,000 dollars. Does your portfolio generate that? Because if it doesn't generate that kind of income for you, you're still stuck at 40 or 50,000 dollars. You might be living in a very poverty style of life compared to what you thought you were going to be living in. right? Because you're like, "Oh, well, I just need 40 or 50 for the rest of my life." That's not the case because the things that you're buying today are going to cost more down the road. And if you're not factoring that into your financial plan, inflation can be the killer of it especially if the inflation rates are extremely high. If you're in double-digit inflation rates, you are fighting a very uphill battle to be able to keep up with being able to purchase the lifestyle that you're purchasing right now.
0: And I don't think we'll ever see double-digit. In fact, the Fed has figured out how to control inflation, and uh, they've controlled it quite well, around the little bit under 2% in the past. And this particular inflation scare currently, which is everything in the banner news, I mean, it's everything, uh, most of the economists and analysts that I'm listening to in podcasts or reading in articles, they're not as concerned as the flashy news media wants us to be led to be. And this is not a general ebb and tide type inflation. Right. Let's face it. Uh most of the numbers they're using, and you you have some of those numbers, I think, mm-hmm. that are looking at the the last twelve months. Right. And it was a pandemic. It was a unique set of characters that came together here that has everybody running that we're going to go into this inflation nut deal. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's not normal ebb and flow of normal times as cycles go. This was a created cycle. And I think as fast as it came, it will go as fast as well. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I mean, does that make sense? It does. And I think so let's let's look at this because I pulled up the
1: Bureau of Labor Statistics. So they're the ones who track what's called the CPI, the Consumer right. Price Index, which is how our country measures inflation right now. It's the, it's the way that they say, what are the prices that are changing over time? And what they like to release is every month, they release a 12-month look back. So at the end of April, they released the April numbers from April 2021 all the way back to April 2020. And they said, what's the price difference if we compare all these different categories? Well, the overall price difference was a jump 4.2%. And if you read a bunch of stuff about the Fed and you read about economics and you're kind of a amateur professional when it comes to understanding what inflation is, the Fed is shooting for an inflation rate around two or maybe just over 2%. So when they see numbers that are double that, that's double their expectations of what they're looking for, and that's why the news media grabbed a hold of this. They said all items went up 4% in the last year. We are going to have unreal inflation. We may be back in the 70s where we're going to get to double digits, and they, you know, they take it to the worst case scenario. But when you actually break down the numbers, it's quite interesting because that's an all items uh, on the list was up 4.2%. But if we go down the list, food was up about 2.4%, which isn't too far off of what they're projected of what they're aiming for, the Fed, when it comes to that. And all other items minus food and energy was up at about 3%. So maybe a little bit high, but not drastically out of the range. But I'll tell you what really skewed these numbers was the energy numbers. Energy is up inflation-wise compared to last year, 25%. 50% wow. jump in gasoline prices, and natural gas is up uh, 12% according to this uh, year-over-year average. Right. Now, you look at that and you go, well, that's just unreal. 25% jump in energy costs. Well, if we look at where we were last April, the gas prices had just plummeted because they had government shutdowns. We had country lockdowns all over the world. People weren't traveling. Airlines were struggling. They were getting bailed out by the government. I mean, clearly, gasoline and energy type stuff is needed to come back and rise in price. Are you saying
0: there was no demand? There might have been no demand for that type of product. Therefore, the prices fell, went
1: down. Okay, amazing. A year ago, amazing how supply and demand economics is so true. We're
0: coming around here now.
1: But we look at those numbers and we go, "Yeah, four point two percent is a big number." But if the majority of it is coming from that skew towards that range, is coming from the energy side of inflation. Well, yeah, we would expect that to be happening now that things are opening up. People are traveling more. They're planning their summer vacations. I mean, it's a no-brainer that logically it makes sense these prices would jump from a year ago. That doesn't mean, though, that we're so far out of you know, whack when it comes to what the expectation should be. Like you say, this might just be a little season of what we're experiencing because of a maybe once-in-a-lifetime pandemic we're experiencing. I mean, you've never had anything like this pandemic in your lifetime. Obviously, it's the first one I've been through. This might be once in a lifetime, you know, anomaly type
0: numbers. Imagine that. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, if we go back to the late 70s, early 80s, when things peaked, you do have to look back into the late 60s, mid to late 60s, all the way up through the mid 80s. We were in much higher inflation times. I mean, four, five, 6%. Uh, if you look at the numbers, I don't have them in front of me. I'm just guessing from what I remember. 456% throughout most of that time but they peaked in that 78 79 80 81 82 uh even in the 83 I think we were looking at interest rates in in fixed products of uh, 9% which right. is I didn't think anything different because I was young at that time right but and then it just slowly uh gradually went down to 2008 and from then the fed has now controlled it And they did say after, I remember when I, in the eighties, the fed saying that we will never allow double digit inflation. Again, they know how to control it. So that's what they've been doing. They've been trying to keep it at two. It's been running under two till the pandemic. Now they want it to trickle above two to keep the, they want to get the economy jazzed up, obviously. Right. And what'll happen is they'll slow it back down if it gets out of control and they have various ways to do it. We can talk about that, but that's probably a whole episode of how they do it. But the point is, I think you're right. This is an anomaly that was created by a pandemic. And most, like I said, most of the analysts and people I'm listening to are not concerned with outrageous inflation out of this thing. They say, it, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs of inflation. I'm going to say month to month numbers will variate a little bit, but I'm not too concerned about it personally, but, you know. So here's my question for you, okay?
1: So we talk about what inflation is, what the numbers are. We're all in this one. And you talked a little bit about this. Why does it matter to to the client? Maybe go a little bit more in depth as to say, you know, what is it specifically that someone needs to be worried about in this type of inflation environment? Is there something that if I am a retiree or a soon-to-be retiree, or maybe I'm in my Thirties or forties, and I'm still starting to accumulate money for retirement. Do I need to be worried about inflation in general? What kind of things should I be looking out for? Anything like that?
0: Well, I think your investment portfolio is critical in these kind of things. If we do get into a higher level of inflation, and this is this is true as well with deflation. I mean, you know, we've talked about there's a there's a comfort zone in there that, uh, but uh, you know, I think the you got to look at being a well diversified portfolio. I mean, that's all there is to it period, right? right? And those who are trying to play a very conservative game may feel more pain in higher inflation because they hold uh, a full portfolio of bonds. And especially those, in my opinion, again, my opinion, my opinion only, is those who hold just a small list of bonds. Mm -hmm. So if I go out and buy an individual, maybe 10 or 12 bonds, individual bonds, those are bonds that Again, this is a whole nother segment of how bonds work. But if we have high inflation, they may feel the effect as a, as opposed to someone who's in a broadly held mutual fund or ETF that has all kinds of bonds in there, right? A right. full diversified basket of bonds. So that would be my my biggest thing is to you know be careful not to be too conservative right. in these times.
1: Well, and that was the question that I got yesterday is, hey, with this high inflation, um, should I be more conservative? I think there's a misconception out there that high inflation means that the market's going to crash. And not saying that inflation can't have effects on the stock market, but we have to be a little bit more aware of how inflation affects the bond market more than it does the stocks. And does it have effects on companies absolutely and their profits and how things work? Sure. But the bigger thing is, is the value of the bonds are based off of the interest rate that they, that they drive. And so if you sell a bond today that has a 1% or 2% interest rate, and all of a sudden inflation goes up and the interest rate on the next bond is at 5%, which one do you want to buy? I want to buy the one that gives me a 5% return, not a one that gives me a 2% return. So if you're holding that 2% return, sorry, you're out of luck. I'm going to buy a new bond. I'm not going to buy the bond that you have in your portfolio. So the value of bonds is heavily dictated by what interest rates are, and inflation can dictate part of that. Now, again, we can go way into the weeds and talk about that in another episode, but the reality is you need to be aware that going more conservative in a high inflation environment may not be the best way to make money or conserve money. Now, in certain scenarios, long-term, conservative may be a good fit for you. I'm not saying that if you're in a, you know, uh, 20% stock portfolio, 80% bond portfolio that we need to jump ship and flip it around and go 80% stock because the inflation rates are going up. That's not what I'm saying. If you're in a 20-80 portfolio of some sort and more conservative in that look, then you need to look at those things and say, okay, why did I do this originally? What's the whole scope of the plan? And a lot of that's probably income-based. A lot of it is probably based on the estate plan and the legacy you're planning on leaving. Those types of conversations that need to be had about your specific portfolio. Not so much about, well, one month of inflation is higher. We should probably change everything and throw a wrench in the plan.
0: Right. And I've had conversations in the last few weeks of, you know, where should we be? Should we make, you know... and. It always goes back to the famous words that we use—the uh, three words "stay the course." Stay the course. It really is. You have a portfolio design based on the risk that you are willing to take, the time frame that you need to utilize that money, either you know building or uh, uh, drawing money out on a regular basis. So, why would you change just because there is potential effects? When we do financial plans, do you, do you personally put inflation in those financial plans? Yeah,
1: and I, over, I overcompensate most of the time for inflation. So there you go. A lot of times, I mean, we look at this, inflation, what I, what I would say has been the average for the last decade or so is around 2%. But I run it at 3% in a lot of our financial plans. Why is that? Because even though last year it wasn't 2% inflation, this year, if we look at already, we're at a 4% for April to April. So because of that fluctuation, I try to lean towards the end of, even though the average has been lower, I'm going to go with a little bit higher than the average just to compensate for that. Now, if we get lower inflation, great. That means that the financial plan works out better for the client when it comes to income.
0: Um, But if
1: we get higher inflation, at least I lean towards that side and I was helping them prepare for it.
0: Yeah. So in your financial plan, we've already put in there that to make sure you don't run out of money before your life expectancy or whatever number you want us to run in there, a lot mm-hmm. of times 90, 90, age 90 to 92, it's already got inflation figured in there. So when we talk about uh, percentages of excess out of that, it's usually has that inflation component in there. So there's no reason to panic if it was done right and you are going by your financial plan, and which I would hope that's what we're following, if we're going to design it all and go through all the parameters that people follow it. Then you have nothing to worry about going about a happy life, you know? Absolutely.
1: And this is probably another plug for connecting with your financial advisor on a regular basis, right? Oh, yeah. Because, okay, let's say you ran a financial plan five years ago. And yeah, you projected the numbers out and you said, oh, yeah, according to, you know, 2015, 2016, I should have money that'll last me all the way until I'm age 90 and all the way up until 2030, 2040, whatever it is that you projected out to. Well, if you're not checking in on that on an annual basis and trying some different numbers and seeing, right now if a client comes in, I may plug in a 4% inflation rate into their plan just to show them what effect that would have. Does that mean we make changes? Maybe, maybe not. But we need to know that. And if we're not checking in with you on a regular basis and adjusting those numbers... How would you even know if your plan even works still? You got to be agile and flexible, right? Financial yoga, you got to be flexible with that stuff. Absolutely. To know that each year it might be something different than it was the year before or five years
0: ago. And engaged. You got to be engaged in your plan. That's right. And if you're engaged, then you're probably not going to freak out about what the news is talking about today or any day, right? right? Stay engaged, know what's going on with your stuff, and
1: just trust the process. I mean- finances, there's a there's a science side to it. There's the art side to it of you know trying different things and more variables and things like that. But in the end, you have to pick something and just go with it. You can't be trying to jump ship to one train or the next and keep moving from vehicle to vehicle or plan to plan. It just needs to be something where you say, look, this is the direction I'm going to go. I may stay flexible, so I may go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, depending on what the circumstances are. But you gotta quit doing this ninety degree turn here and then a hundred and eighty degree turn here and then another ninety degree turn in your plan, it just makes for a mess, and what you'll end up doing is destroying your wealth and not building any. You mean spazzing out kind of thing? I think that's the the better way of putting it, spazzing.
0: I also have to say that our most successful clients, people that have over the years created an abundance in their accounts, an abundant life, have been ones who do not vary. Hardly at all, if ever. Whatever we sit down and do in our original plan, they meet regularly and they do the same thing regularly. All It can last 20, 30 years. We have plenty of people that have been retired for 30 plus years in this office as clients. And those successful ones are ones who do not variate off the plan. Right? They don't let things bother them. But it amazes me the ones that come in here and want to flip around and flop around and change those are the ones who don't haven't really created any wealth for themselves they and they're still looking for that next bullet and right. that next bullet is probably not going to hit you right it's you know it's talk some guy might have got lucky somewhere in something, but bottom line is the most successful people stay the course on their plan. And they live a much more
1: peaceful life with that. I think the the clients that aren't in our office every year, or every couple years saying, "I need to flip all the way over to this. I want to go from fully aggressive to fully conservative or I want to change my plan around completely. I want to stop drawing income cuz markets could crash or whatever it is." Those clients, they have so much anxiety about their money they look at it on a daily basis they're watching the news they watch the ticker symbols at the bottom of you know the the news channel to see what the market did that day as if that means anything to them like they they'll look at the dow and go oh my gosh markets are down and you go well if you're in a diversified portfolio maybe maybe not you know part of your portfolio is probably down but you're not all in on that one but they just live in that anxious mentality of at any point in time i could just i could have nothing you know i could lose it all and that's It's a terrible way to live. How do you ever survive in retirement? But the ones that we have that stay the course and they stick to a plan, they say, look, I make adjustments, you know, they may adjust income or they may want to give a gift to a family member and those types of things are built into the plan for them. But if they don't go and try to adjust their portfolio drastically or jump ship and go completely out of the market when they get panicked, they just seem so much calmer and more
0: peaceful about where they're at financially. Yeah, they don't freak out. I was talking to a guy last weekend that went to cash in end of February of 20 and still sitting in cash. Wow. I said, do you realize how much wealth you lost? Oh, I'm not ready. It's, it's still going to crash now. He's a, he's got political issues in his head Sure. and that, you know, what's going on. The, uh, the change of regime to him says that, you know, this, this is all coming to an end. And, and I said, well, uh, I can't tell you it is or isn't, but my belief is that I don't think it's really going to matter in the grand scheme of things. We've had party changes and wild and wacky changes over the years and the markets still seem to win. So you're the only loser in this. Right. And you could tell his tone was a little down because he knows in the last, you know, 14 months that he missed out on a lot of return. But the bottom line is there is a typical spaz, behavioral issue. Right. And if he would have stayed the course, he'd been fine. And he was a client at one time, but I fired him. Uh we're still friends, but I fired him what, 10 years ago probably, because that's exactly how he was and he was uncoachable. So, but there is plenty of great stories of people who are coachable and do understand and have faith in the system that it's worked all these years, why would it not work now? The only big difference today from what it was 20 years ago is the crap on the news media. And I keep saying that, and I know people know it, but they still are addicted to listening to it. And those people that are bought into it are usually the behavioral issues that we have in here. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up.
1: I I think just to land this plane a little bit here, that inflation, it matters. It does. I'm not going to say that it's just this... Little thing out there, a little blip on the radar. Inflation is a huge part of your financial plan. But panicking over one report about inflation is a little drastic. And you need to know that in the grand scheme of things, if you do a full holistic financial plan for your retirement, that should be already calculated in there. Um, and if you've never done that, you should probably sit down with an advisor. So if you want to sit down with us at some point in time, Brad or myself, you can go to our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. I actually just had somebody do this. So this isn't, this isn't something I just keep saying and nobody uses it. I had somebody do this over the weekend. They scheduled an appointment for Monday morning and they did it all through the calendar. I'd never met them before. They come into our office. We sat down. We talked for about a half hour, him and his wife. Great conversation. We're going to go through a financial plan together. We're going to try to see what we can do to help them get retired. Those are the types of conversations we have in our office. So if you want to get to be a part of something like that, love to have you do that. Again, our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner of the page. You click that, takes you to our digital calendar. It's a free appointment. Doesn't cost you anything other than time. You show up, or we can do it over the phone or Zoom if you're not close to Worcester, Ohio you can go through all that stuff with us. We'd love to hear a little bit of your story, what help you need. And if we can help you, we'll do it. If we can't, we'll find somebody who can. So um, we'd love to schedule time with you. If you have questions on this stuff, you're like, man, I've been thinking about this inflation thing. I got a specific question for Brad or Taylor. Maybe it shows up on the podcast. That'd be great. We, we love doing uh, listener questions. We just did one a few episodes ago. But um, if you have a question for us, you can email us. My email is taylor at fikeadvisors.com. Brad's is brad at fikeadvisors.com. We got real creative with those, didn't we? Yes, we he did. Uh, maybe yours should be financial
0: yoga at FikeAdvisors.com. I'm going to stay the course with Brad.
1: Oh, I like that. Stick to the plan. Yeah, that, That's, you know what? That's a sound right? But there. I am
0: flexible, so I might change it someday. You never know.
1: That's right. Well, anyway, guys, you hope, hope you had maybe learned a little bit of something here. The idea is stay the course. You know, stick with a plan, build a plan, obviously, and then stick with it and maybe make small adjustments along the way. Now, of course, everything we talk about in here, I got to give this disclaimer, is for educational purposes. We're not giving you specific financial advice, especially about inflation. A lot of this stuff has some major complexities to it, so you want to make sure you take your circumstances to a professional, whether it's a financial professional, tax professional, legal professional. Talk through all the details before you make any decisions. Don't just listen to us crazy bozos on a podcast that are just talking about different topics. right? You want to make sure you get a good, sound piece of advice for your specific situation. Um, In the meantime, hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you guys soon.